If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 183 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where we talk with Nancy Bacon and Mark Nillis about their ebook, Conferences That Matter. And Salisa, what did you, Nancy, and Mark cover? Well, Jeff, as you, of course, know, we've known Nancy and Mark for several years at this point, and they're both really thoughtful, they're both committed, they're both enthusiastic about providing learning that matters, learning that makes a difference. And the two of them teamed up to share what they believe it takes to create a learning full conference. And learning full is a word that Nancy uses in the interview, and I like it very much. So Nancy, Mark, and I focus our conversation on Conferences That Make a Difference. That's the title of an ebook they created to share what they've learned organizing conferences that have the goal of providing learning. We talk about conference strategy. We talk about presenter prep. We talk about the need for reflection time during conferences. And we also talk about how to help make the learning that happens at a conference stick after the conference is over. And for any listeners who are conference organizers, I definitely recommend the ebook. It's filled with really practical appendices, and it's a great mix of uh, prescriptive suggestions along with examples of how to implement um, those suggestions that really may be applicable to your situation. Well, and of course, as it happens, Nancy and Mark actually met at Learning Technology Design, our virtual conference. So it's personally gratifying for us to see them partnering to create this ebook. Um, we know them both also personally. Uh, they're very bright, insightful people. Um, I see them, uh, I always see them as really true, dedicated, lifelong learners themselves who always walk the walk. So I'm excited to hear what they have to say about this book and to dig into the book. Uh, so let's roll the interview with Mark Nillis and Nancy Bacon. Hello and welcome. I'm Salisa Steele. This is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I'm joined by not one, but two great guests. Nancy Bacon is a teacher and instructional designer who's worked for over 20 years in the nonprofit sector. And for the past five years, she's led Washington Nonprofits Learning Program. And she currently serves as the Associate Director at Washington Nonprofits. She occasionally writes on adult learning through her blog at chunkflipguidelaugh.com. Nancy, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with you. And my second guest is Mark Nillis, currently the Director of Learning and Impact at Humentum. Mark's work has focused on developing evidence-based teaching and learning approaches for improved workplace performance, and his perspective is informed by years of training and capacity building for international development and humanitarian relief professionals around the world. Mark, welcome to Leading Learning. Thanks, Elisa. Great to be with you and with Nancy. So to start us off, I want to give you each the chance to say a bit more about yourself and your organization, anything else that you'd like to highlight for listeners. So Nancy, let's start with you. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I, I'm an instructional designer and a teacher, and I, um, 
I think important to know about me is that I spent a lot of time in Washington leading trainings for nonprofit organizations. So at any time, I'll have a room with the food bank, the homeless shelter, the farm cooperative, youth programs, uh, prison reform programs, anything like that. And these are the people doing the real work in our communities. And I think a lot about them and what it will take for them to be successful. Um, they give me the accountability I need and certainly the motivation. So as I think about uh, our topic today, conferences, I think a lot about how do I create a day that's really worth the time of, of these people that I see every day. Mm, great. So a real focus on the learner. So Mark, now you, what else would you like for listeners to know about you and Humentum? Yeah, I come at this uh, with a very similar perspective as uh, Nancy. Um, Humentum, the organization I work with, is a professional membership association um, focusing on professionals in the humanitarian relief and international development sector. So again, like Nancy said, these are the people that are really doing the hard work to make the world a better place. And uh, Humentum offers a few conferences throughout the year, including a, a large annual conference in Washington, D.C. And um, like Nancy said, you know, we really want to make sure that the people who come to our conference are benefiting in ways that help them back in the workplace. And workplace learning is a is a real passion of mine, as uh, hopefully will come out in this conversation and in the in the ebook that we wrote. Um, so just happy to have the conversation. Thanks. Well, great. And, you know, I've had the good fortune to know you both for a few years now. Uh, we, we met through some of the events that we've held here at Tagoras, and I know that you're both very thoughtful and, and really committed, I think, as you both just stressed in, in your introduction about this goal of, of providing learning that matters, that has impact, that makes a difference. Um, and, and so what prompted me to reach out to have you on the podcast and to have you on together is the ebook that you just mentioned, Mark, um, one that you co-authored and recently released um, called Conferences That Make a Difference. So I'd be interested to know what prompted you to create the ebook and and why now and why together Nancy would you tackle that question for us Sure. Over the past few years, I've been attending conferences, and sometimes, you know, Seattle's an, uh, an attractive destination to have a national conference. So I'd be going to these uh, big fancy conferences, and they were handled as events. They had all the whistles and bells that big events have, fancy name tags, marquee performances, you know, everything looked really glossy. But um, at the end of the day, they were kind of like cotton candy. The impact burned off quickly, and I found myself not really learning a whole lot. Um, I tend to process my thoughts through my blog, and so I found that I was writing quite a lot about conferences and, and my impressions on those conferences and how we could do better. Um, for me, this ebook began, I wrote a, a kind of working out loud blog piece after our Central Washington conference in Yakima. We really tried a, a bunch of things to deepen engagement, and I got really excited about it. I wrote about it, um, and that article got picked up by Association Trends. That, it really, from the feedback from that article, it could I could really tell that there's a hunger for a deeper understanding of, about conferences and how we can make them learningful. At the same time, Mark and I had been connected through the LTD conference, uh, and we've uh, we at Washington Nonprofits were putting into action some of his work on boosting. So after a learning event, how do you keep people learning? So he and I connected, sharing many of the same concerns and interests in terms of 
designing a learning full conference. So we started just, you know, hey, why don't we write this ebook together? Um, uh, for people like us, learning leaders with associations who are organizing conferences that move people forward to um, do new things, to really change their behavior around certain things. So the the corner, there's four chapters in the ebook. The first one is around strategy. The second one is pre-conference activities, how to get ready for a conference. The third chapter is the big day, how to deliver a day that is really powerful. And lastly, that fourth chapter is make it stick, post-conference activities. Um, there's been a lot of interest even since releasing the ebook, so we're really excited to be talking about it now and sharing it into the future. Well, great. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about the ebook is how it it takes that big picture strategic point of view. As you mentioned, that's kind of the, the first chapter there. But it doesn't neglect the the super practical tools and resources point of view uh, either. And, and so you get into that in some of the other chapters. So that first chapter, though, that really is focused on on strategy, it stresses the need for a conference strategy. So Mark, would you explain what a conference strategy is and, and why it's important? And probably actually even first, before you get to that, would you define how you use conference since that's one of those terms that can kind of mean different things to different people? Sure, of course, yeah. So when Nancy and I approached writing this book, um, we thought of conferences as as sort of Nancy was ex- uh, describing, those large events that have diverse audiences. They're oftentimes organized around a, a theme, an overall theme, but then they'll have multiple learning and networking opportunities, um, and especially those learning opportunities that sort of feed into that into that theme. Um, oftentimes you'll see the learning sessions organized by tracks or function areas or, or a category, you know, some sort of categories. Um, and when we were writing the book, we were really thinking about place-based conferences sort of held under one roof. But we do also appreciate the growing uh, use of online conferences. And we would think that a lot of what we wrote about in the book would apply also to online conferences. So, you know, we recognize uh, conference is a term that's used to describe many different things. Um, and there's other terms that are used to describe conferences. So some mm-hmm. people call their uh, their convening an annual meeting or a forum or a summit. But but sort of that you know those elements that we were that I was just going through are what we had in mind. And that is sort of um, in contrast to a discrete learning event or a course that is has more of a very pointed sort of learning objective. So that's does that help in terms of the sort of how we were approaching. Um, thought of what a conference is. Absolutely. I think that's a great perspective. And and one of the differences that jumps to to my mind from what you're explaining, too, is that you then have people who are experiencing different aspects of the same conference, because not everyone will necessarily be in those same sessions within they might be going through different tracks or different topics. Right, right. And that that complexity offers a lot of opportunity, but it also does offer challenges. And I hope that in the book, we we address some of those challenges. But one of the things that does help address that complexity is strategy. So getting into the second part of the question, to me, the strategy is maybe this isn't a very good textbook definition of strategy, but it's a framework, really, that guides goal setting, prioritization, planning, Um, And I think why it's important is that it allows for both alignment and it supports 
good decision making. So just to kind of drill down on those two concepts, especially as um, as they relate to the conference strategy. So in terms of alignment, presumably most organizations have an overall organizational strategy, probably a multi-year strategy. And then within that, couched within that strategy or supporting that strategy is probably a strategy for the learning or the learning business or the learning function right within the organization. So likewise, your conference strategy should be supporting that learning function, we believe. That's that's what uh, Nancy and I discuss in the book. So that alignment of strategies makes sure that whatever you're doing with the conference, whether it's through learning or networking or other activities, really does support broader goals throughout the organization, sort of that cascading effect that a good strategy can help uh, support. Now, I also talked about good decision making, and you know, I think the sort of the the, the really the benefit of a good, clear strategy is it helps you say yes to the things that will contribute to what you, whatever your overall goals or priorities are, and helps you say no to those things that won't sort of contribute. So um, we talk about different elements that might be involved with what might be included with your strategy, including revenue. Uh, reach or results. And depending on where sort of what you're trying to get out of your conference within those realms will help you make strong decisions to help you achieve your goals. Well, that's great. And definitely the the idea of strategy as being a decision making framework that that definitely resonates. That's uh, how we tend to think of it here at at Tagoras as well. And, And then like you said, that it's also cascading down from the learning strategy, which is then feeding down from the overall organizational strategy and just really making sure then that what you're doing at that conference um, fits in with your big picture strategy, even beyond the conference. That's great. And can I, can I, I'm sorry, can I just add one more point to that alignment? If you get that alignment right within your organization, that means you can also leverage assets from your broader learning offerings at your annual mm. conference. And it means that things that come out of your conference can feed back mm. into your overall learning um, offering. That's great. So, there's, so there, that alignment also supports that uh, ad- additional leveraging of assets and resources. That's a very good point. I like that. Uh, so now, you know, once you have that, that strategy set and it, it's, you know, providing that alignment, it's giving you that ability to make those good decisions, there's still even more to do before the actual conference. And, and one of the pre-conference activities that you emphasize in the ebook is preparing the presenters. And so Nancy, I would love for you to talk a bit about how and why to prepare presenters. And I personally would also be um, really interested in any thoughts you might have on on why presenter preparation doesn't happen as often or as well as it should. um, Because, you know, it seems like such a no brainer to me. And yet I think presenter preparation often doesn't really get the attention that it deserves. Yeah, I would agree with that. And yet this is really my favorite part of working on conferences. We put out a call for proposals. In our case, a committee selects the proposals that really resonate with them. And then um, that is really the heart of the conference. That's where the, I mean, the the keynote speaker is inspirational and wonderful, but it's in those smaller groups where people find their people, they connect, they really deepen their learning on something. So this is really the heart of the conference. So I know for the first few years that I was running conferences, I was really hands-off with presenters. 
I didn't want to insult them by asking them to know uh, more about their plan. I didn't want to bother them. These are busy people. I had this sense that they were doing us a favor, so um, so I didn't. I wanted to really respect their time. Um, I was too busy organizing other aspects of the conference, and and so we just uh, let them kind of fly solo in presenting their. Um, presentations. But we had some quality issues with one of our conferences a few years ago, and I realized that um, that our presenters wanted more support, that they didn't want to fly solo. They really wanted uh, to deepen their own skill as a trainer. Um, and so uh, with that, we had an entirely 180 degree shift in how we engage our presenters. Um, we really uh, walk with them through their um, creation of their workshop and then, of course, the delivery of their workshop. And what we have found is the quality has really strengthened, but we're also becoming much closer with our workshop presenters. We're seeing them as part of our community as opposed to outsiders who deliver something. Um, so, so what have we started to do to prepare our speakers? We've uh, implemented a pre-proposal webinar that lays out expectations. And that webinar is very clear on our uh, learning philosophy, on how we want high levels of engagement in those workshops. And I would say the proposals we get now are better because of that pre-proposal webinar. Uh, we have workshop planning tools that are included in the ebook so that they can um, they can really plan their workshop around outcomes. So what's going to be different? What behavior change is going to happen because somebody sat with you for 75 minutes? We changed the timing of our Train the Trainer series, an annual series we offer for people delivering learning experiences in Washington. We moved it forward in the schedule so that our workshop presenters can attend the Train the Trainer series. And uh, three of them did this year. It just ended last week. And so that means we're right away deepening the engagement of the trainers um, through that series. And then at least a month before the conference, I have one-on-one -on -one conversations with each and every presenter. We walk through the learning and engagement strategies. And if needed, we schedule a second one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I really want to make sure that they're getting the personalized support that they need. And what I've found is people are really excited to tell me what they have planned, and they often come to that conversation with questions. Then the final piece, of course, is the evaluation piece. So at the end of the conference, we, we ask people, what did you think about the workshop you attended? And then we turn that right back around to the workshop presenters. And, um, and again, a follow-up conversation is scheduled if, if one is needed. So we take a very hands-on approach to the whole process, and it's been a really wonderful way for us to deepen our connection to the presenters and strengthen their connection to the entire conference. And so, you know, I heard you kind of mention at the beginning, you know, there was the, when you were more hands-off with the presenters initially, and that, you know, you were worried about kind of bothering them, that they were doing you a favor, and you were worried about asking for more time, you were worried about even potentially insulting them you know, with the idea that they need the, the support or that, that you were going to provide. And, and so if you just found that, that those were more of perceived barriers rather than actual barriers, or have you actually kind of encountered some of that? And how have you um, made the point to those presenters that, you know, it is worth their time, that it's, you know, not necessarily a reflection on um, their poor performance, but more you providing upfront information? 
Yeah, I, 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 you know, began the process with just reaching out to the ones that I had concerns about. But then I realized that um, even, you know, people who've been doing this for many years uh, could use a little support and just connection. It gives mm-hmm. me a chance to explain the conference so that their piece is within a larger context. So at this point, I approach it, I, I contact every single one of them, and I say, I meet with every single presenter. So what time would you like? It's not a if you'd like it, it's uh-huh. a, I do this. <laughs> it's not an option. Um, and I have had some people really insulted and say uh, a couple people were really, I don't have time for this and I don't want to do this. And in one case, it was fine. In another case, it was not a workshop that went well. And so I would say we won't be working with that person again. Mm. I mean, it's one of it, you know, we want to make sure that every single person attending our conference has a high quality learning experience. Um, So that's, I guess, part of the business of our work as well. If you want to provide high-quality learning experiences for your audience, we encourage you to check out our sponsor for this quarter. WBT Systems develops the industry-leading top-class LMS, which delivers transformative professional development experiences for education and certification programs. With a single point of support from in-house integration experts, Top Class LMS easily integrates with a wide variety of systems to provide efficient administration and a unified learning experience. WBT supports organizations in using learning technology to help drive growth and membership, increase revenues, and enhance the learning experience. WBT believes in truly understanding your challenges and partnering with you to ensure the success of your education programs. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash WBT. And now, back to the interview as Salisa asks Nancy about the need for time for reflection at conferences. So I know that one of the other things that 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 you stress um, in terms of kind of the actual execution of um, the the conference is allowing for participant-led learning and also time for reflection at the conference. Um, and you know, for those of us who understand adult learners, that again seems like a no-brainer. You know, you want them involved and in, in leading their own learning. You want them to have that time for reflection. But again, it seems like it doesn't happen all that often. So again, Nancy, I would love your thoughts on, you know, why those things maybe don't happen more often and and how conference organizers can make the argument um, if they get pushback from others, you know, who sort of think that the conference's value comes from filling every single minute of every day with, you know, pre-programmed content. Yeah, I think reflection are the Brussels sprouts of the learning world. (laughs) (laughs) So many people say, we don't care for Brussels sprouts. No, we don't have time for reflection. And yet, how many of us have slowed down enough to really appreciate the power of reflection? That way, when we really slow down, we see the world in an entirely new way. Just like when we slow down and really savor those farm-grown Brussels sprouts, uh, we really decide we we do like them, Mm. really. We just uh, say that we don't. You know, Paulo Freire talked about the relationship between action and reflection. Without one, you don't have the other. 
Um, so why aren't we building this into our conference design? Again, I think people are seeing conferences as events. They're seeing it as an event like a wedding or any other kind of um, staged event. And so they're just scheduling things without really being reflective themselves about what the strategy is and what the desired outcome of that is. But as soon as you shift your brain from thinking about designing a conference as an event alone and and seeing it as a place to operationalize that learning strategy that Mark talked about, then you really have to include participant-led learning and reflection time. You have to slow it down in order for all those key pieces that you're trying to move the needle on. People need time to absorb that and to really think about it. So how do you make the case? Um, one of my thoughts is from the start of a conference design process, it seems like you really need an appointed kind of chief learning officer, whatever the title is, who is the person whose role it is to be thinking about adult learning throughout? Um, who Whose job is it to show up at those committee meetings and really speak up on behalf of the learners? Um, so I think that piece can help. I think slowing down and implementing that learning strategy can help. Um, but we know from the evaluations that we've done that people want to take a break. They want to talk to their peers. They want to kind of play around with the ideas that they're hearing about. Um, so that means we have to make sure there's time in the schedule for that. Well, that makes sense. Uh, as you pointed out, that going back to what your conference strategy is and if it is uh, a focus on learning which is what you guys are focused on in the ebook then it does uh, right make complete sense then that you need to pay attention to good uh, adult learning principles such as providing that time for reflection um, now in the final chapter um, you look at what happens after the conference to make that learning stick and and mark I know that this is uh, an area where you're particularly um, passionate. And so I would love to hear um, what you see as some of the important things that need to happen after a conference concludes to, to make it um, be a meaningful learning experience. Well, I think building on what Nancy was saying um, and just the, the mindset that you go into when you're planning your conference is really important. So, um, you know, Nancy talked about ways to make the event itself more learningful, but I would argue that the, the event itself is not your, your last opportunity to support learning. So sort of with this in mind, I came up with a couple of uh, sort of turns of phrases that, uh, you know, might help capture some thoughts around this. And one is the conference isn't over when the conference is over. And of course, that you know that sounds a uh, sounds a little strange. Um, might be hypocritical, but really, the point is that when the participants leave your conference, is their first step in the journey toward being able to apply new knowledge, skills, tools, techniques that they picked up during the conference, right? And to the extent that that is that, that it's your organization's goal to help them do their work better, the conference is the first step. But it's really important for organizations to think about how to support participants after the conference. So part of it is just the mindset of the conference really does extend beyond the final day of the conference. And then the other thought, the other phrase, um, which is probably quite 
obvious and familiar to a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, and that is just that learning is a process. It's not an event. So the event is good. Having an event, having a conference is good. But again, that's the first step of the process. So um, you're right. I'm very passionate about learning reinforcement, learning retention. Um, so I could go on and on, but I'll just offer a few thoughts in terms of how you could execute, how an organization could execute on this sort of ongoing learning beyond the conference itself. Um, and I'll talk about this in in for two audiences, one being the participants, right? So really, how do you keep in touch with your participants? How do you reinforce their learning? And one is sort of through, um, you know, sort of traditional ways that you would be in touch with them and communicate with them for other reasons. Probably the way they heard about your conference was probably on your website or with an email or through social media. So you can use those same tools to continue the learning. You You can take key points from some of the key sessions and help participants think about, you know, sort of what was a tangible learning point? How is it important? Or sorry, why is this important for participants to know or understand? How can participants use it in their work? And what results can it help them achieve? So you can share thoughts along those lines, answering those four questions, or even asking those questions using email, using discussion forums to the extent that you use discussion forums, using social media, any way I would argue that you can prompt people to return to the material that was presented during the conference um, is valuable. Now, there are other things, and Nancy actually talked earlier about blogging, the fact that she, after attending conferences, would blog about her experience. That is a fantastic way for people to reflect, make the material that they that they heard during the conference their own, and talk about why it's important to them, how they can use it in the workplace, and what results it can help them achieve. You can also ask your presenters alongside developing their session to write down a few notes that can be turned into a blog. It really doesn't, a blog does not need to be a lot of extra work, and it can be done sort of alongside and parallel to the session development process. So those are just a few thoughts of sort of how to keep in touch with with your participants um, sort of after the fact. Again, sort of messaging through email or uh, prompting discussion through a discussion forum or through social media or encouraging your either your presenters and or your participants to blog about the event. And if you can give them that structure, those questions that I that I mentioned um, those questions can help them really think about how w- what they're taking away from the conference and how they can use it in the workplace. Now, that's the first audience to think about when you're thinking about supporting learning after the conference. The other audience is you and your team. You've just spent hundreds of hours planning, preparing, executing on a conference. You have learned a lot through that process. You've learned what is working well. You've learned probably some things that didn't work so well. You were probably inspired during the conference to do something new that hadn't occurred to you until you were in the moment. So it's really important for you and your team after you deliver a conference to take the time. And it's the same reflection um, that Nancy was just talking about that you want your participants to be able to do. You also need to do structured reflection among your team, opportunities to debrief or do after action reviews to discuss, again, what went well what needs to be improved? What new inspirations did we come up with during the conference? And then hopefully you're also thinking about recommended action steps 
so you can incorporate that into the future planning, which likely will will start that that planning for the next event will likely start within a couple of months of completion of your of your last conference. So those are just a few thoughts of making sure that you're you have the right mindset and some steps to put in place to support learning not only for your participants but for you and your team in executing a conference. I think that's a really good point that it's not just about the participants but about the learning business itself, that internal team, and, and making sure that you're learning as much as you can from that experience of putting on that conference. To help provide a good experience for your learners and for your internal team, you need good technology. We suggest you check out our sponsor for this quarter. Community Brands provides a suite of cloud-based software for organizations to engage and grow relationships with the individuals they serve including association management software, learning management software, job board software, and event management software. Community Brands' award-winning Crowd Wisdom Learning Platform is among the world's best LMSs for corporate extended enterprise and is a leading LMS for association-driven professional education programs. Award-winning Freestone, Community Brands' live event learning platform, is a leading platform for live learning event capture, webinars, webcasts, and on-demand streaming. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash community brands. And now back to the interview as Salisa asks Nancy about being both a provider of learning and a learner herself and how those roles inform one another. I'm curious because, uh, you know, here we all are in the learning business. And so there's sort of the meta experience, right? That, um, you know, we're providing learning, but we're also learners ourselves. And so... Nancy, I'll ask this of you, but I'm curious to know how your role as a conference organizer has impacted your role as a conference attendee and vice versa. Yeah, for one, I'm a lot pickier about what conferences (laughs) I'll attend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I mean, I think one of the most beautiful things uh, of being a learning professional is to, to regularly Put us put ourselves in a place of of being a learner as well. Um, I have such respect for the people who set aside their day to come out for the conferences I organize. I know they're really busy people. Um, I've been in their shoes, not sure if I have time to go to this conference, and yet doing it anyway. Um, so I, I I think a lot about that empathy piece of I owe these people the kind of day that I would want for myself. Um, and so that, that is very much a motivator as I go forward. And I'm certainly a lot more, um, evangelical as I reach out to people who are running conferences that I'm a little nervous about. I'll, I've started to share out the ebook, uh, quite a lot with people who I think could benefit from a little bit of a deeper thinker thinking on how they're running these conferences. Mm. Well, I like that uh, idea that um, it's made you pickier, but you know, we like you said, we all have limited time and limited resources, and so making sure that the experiences that we do choose to attend as learners are going to be good investments. Um, and then, too, like you said, that you know, you're focused in as a conference organizer is to make sure that you give those learners and those attendees sort of the the, the same quality um, of learning experience and the same type of day that you would hope to get um, when, when you show up as a learner. Um, so I, I like that perspective that sort of, it, it's a virtuous cycle here of, of feeding on. So um, Mark, I have a question for you about, you know, I know that you and Nancy set out to kind of 
share what you've learned through your years of experience as conference organizers, you know, what you've actually tried and tested in, in the real world. But I'm curious if, um, as you went through the process of working with Nancy, um, if you perhaps discovered anything, you know, unexpected, you know, were there were, was there some serendipitous learning that that happened um, as you wrote the ebook and worked on it? Hmm. Great question. Um, yeah, a couple of things come to mind as, uh, as, as you asked the question. One is, you know, Nancy, and I think it's coming across in this, in this conversation, Nancy is really enthusiastic. And as we were collaborating, which was mostly over email, as we were collaborating on this, every email she sent to me, just really that enthusiasm really kind of came through very clearly. Um, and it really inspired me to want to continue working on the book and make the book as good as it could be. Um, and, you know, have the opportunities to have these sort of conversations. So I've tried to sort of implement that a bit, uh, working with my colleagues and other people and make sure that that enthusiasm and that, um, that energy really comes through. Um, and then when it came to writing the ebook itself and really making sure that the, the content was what we wanted it to be, um, really just putting a really fine point on making sure the content of the book was practical and useful for practitioners. And the way that manifested itself um, in, in, my, in my mind is um, a few times where the language maybe wasn't as accessible to the readers as we wanted it to be, where I would write something and Nancy would really sort of say, you know, can, is there a different way we can describe this to make sure that um, everybody picking up this book can can sort of understand what we're trying to get across? Or another way was if I was sort of introducing a, or if we were talking about a concept or an idea, to make sure that we included an example of how you could apply that idea or concept. So not just sort of at an abstract level, but a real practical level of, you know, this is what it could look like in practice. And then to an even finer point, Nancy's already mentioned this, are templates and guides. And I think nearly a third of the book is uh, annexes that are templates and guides that really that people can put into place. Um, and, and a lot of those templates are actually for presenters, for people who are presenting at conference. Others are more for conference, um, geared at conference organizers. So those are those are a few of the things that I took away in, in the collaboration with Nancy, which was um, really fun and I think, you know, really created a nice product too. Well, that's yeah, silly. Can I jump in and just say that <laughs> we talk a lot about um, collaboration and, and peer accountability. And it I, this was a really fun kind of happenstance. We didn't set out to create an ebook when we first got connected. But I have really appreciated the power of having a colleague in this work that that there's so many deep thinkers out there and just my I'm really grateful to LTD and to Chorus for kind of putting Mark and, and me in connection so that I could learn so much from from him and from the shared work out there. So it's really been a kind of a meta-learning experience around the power of the peer and having a partner in this work. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think that it, this is a, a great uh, example of, of peer learning um, and applied learning and and all sorts of, of things that we we often um, preach and I think that the enthusiasm mark that you were talking about and then also to that emphasis on on the practical and the useful really come across as I read the ebook I really did appreciate uh, again that you definitely talk big picture and talk about strategy but you also get really 
practical uh, about what that looks like, and you provide those tools and templates. So I, I think it's an excellent resource. And with this next to last question, we're actually going to switch away from the the ebook. Um, and I want to ask the question that we ask of, of all our guests on the podcast, which is, uh, I'd like to hear about one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your formal education. And I want to hear from both of you on this question. So, um, Mark, let's start with you. Yeah. Um, boy, this is, yeah, I've had a lot of great learning experience outside of formal, ex, uh, formal education, as I'm sure we all have. Um, but I think I'd have to point to my experience as a Peace Corps volunteer. Mm-hmm. I was a Peace Corps volunteer for two years in West Africa 20 years ago. And, you know, when you talk about immersive uh, experiential learning, you can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you sort of, you can't top that. Um, you know, I not only learned about a, a different culture, I learned a new language, but I also learned about problem solving with really restrained resources in a low resource environment. How, you know, how do you solve problems? And then probably most importantly, I learned about myself, um, what I'm capable of, how I can make contributions. Um, so yeah, that, uh, I think my Peace Corps experience is probably the, the thing that I really still reflect on. As I said, it was 20 years ago, but really, you know, changed my life in a lot of ways. Mm, that's great. And, and Nancy, how about for you? What's been one of the most powerful learning experiences you've been involved in as an adult? Yeah, it, it is a great question. Um, I, I uh, One that I won't mention now, but I wrote about was a pottery class I took where uh, I almost landed in tears with clay all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good experience. But but the one I'm thinking about for this, this question is a leadership program I took about three years ago. It was really powerful for me, and it had the two elements we talk a lot about in adult learning, feedback and reflection. Um, we talk a lot about how to give feedback, how to receive feedback, and I really experience personally how hard it is to to truly take feedback. It's it's hard. Um, and it's made me a better um, deliverer of feedback and much more empathetic to how I'm bringing the emotional side of our work. Um, you know, I teach a lot of nonprofit board members, and it's it's pretty emotional work for them. And so um, it's, it's given me a chance to deepen that side of the adult learning work. Mm, it's increased the, the empathy that you can have for, for your learners. Absolutely. So the final question is just if listeners want to get the ebook, if they want to know more about your work and your organizations or connect with you, where should they go? Um, Nancy, will you start us off on that one? Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I write occasionally when I have time on my blog, Chunk Flip Guide Laugh. Uh, a friend told me that people couldn't remember Chunk Flip Guide Laugh. So I, <laughs> I actually um, uh, have a new website with my name, nancybacon.com, and that'll get you to my blog if if you can't remember those four words. Um, and I know the... Um, the ebook is there as well as on the Washington Nonprofits website. Um, so those are a few ways to be in touch with me. Great. And Mark, how about for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm on you know LinkedIn and uh, I'm on Twitter at Mark underscore Nillis. Um, and uh, I, I when I write blogs, they tend to appear on the Humentum website. Uh, Humentum being the organization I work for. And the ebook is also available um, through the Humentum website as well. 
Well, great. We'll make sure to include in the show notes um, links to those sites that you all just mentioned. And I really do encourage our listeners to check out the ebook if if you're involved in conference planning. So Nancy, Mark, thank you so much for making time for the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. This has been really fun. Thanks, Elisa. This has been great. That concludes our interview with Nancy Bacon and Mark Nillis. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 183. And while you're there, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, Jeff and I would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also be really grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That'll put you in the right place. Or if you use another service for listening to podcasts, almost every service has some sort of reviews and ratings, and we'd appreciate it if you would go and give Leading Learning a review there. Salise and I personally appreciate your ratings and reviews, but more importantly, those reviews and ratings play an important role in helping the podcast to show up when people search on content for Leading and Learning. And we'd be grateful if you would check out our sponsors for this quarter. Find out more about WBT Systems at leadinglearning.com slash WBT. Find out what Community Brands has to offer at leadinglearning.com slash Community Brands. And finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leading lifelong learning. And of course, you can share us with others there. But however you do it, please do spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.